welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on internet land and socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, Preston. Yes. Wayne, Hi. how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. You are uh, joining us from Santa Monica, correct? No, I'm actually in New York. Oh, you're in New York now. Right. Yeah. For, uh, for the next week or so, um, here at, uh, supporting our other art fair that's uh, currently running in Queens, but, um, oh, that's but, yeah, right. I, but yeah, I am based in Santa Monica in, in LA. Right. Yeah. I was yeah. just down in Santa Monica yesterday and I was thinking about you. I was like, yeah, I could stop by and say hello, but, um, the other art fair, how's it going? Good. It was a great opening night yesterday. Uh, really good turnout. It's a new venue, the Knockdown Center. So uh, yeah, we moved venues. But yeah, it was a great turnout. A uh, lot of new artists, so, which is really great to see. So Very cool. Do I've been to the other art fair in Los Angeles, but I've never been in New York. What's the turnout like? Do you find that it's a lot of artists from New York specifically or people from all over the country? It's both, but more New York. What we try to do in a lot of our fairs is stay with local artists. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so we make sure that, that it is comprised of a majority of, of local, uh, local representation is, is high. So yeah, that's the case with LA, with New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but we tend to get a lot of great repeat artists that just do really well no matter where they are. And they will travel uh, with us to different fairs. Um, so yes, some of the similar artworks, yeah, in different fairs, which is which is also cool. Yeah, one of my friends, and I'm sure you know him, Fintan Whelan. Do you know him? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a big seller on Sachi, and I know he does a lot of the other art fairs. Yeah. No, we love Fintan. Uh, his his work's great. Have you shown up? To, I'm trying to. Recall. I haven't done any of the other art fairs. I've just shown up and and kind of schmoozed with the people. Fintan, is he there in New York right now? Uh, I didn't see him. Okay. Maybe he took a break. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's like traveling the globe all the time, but I want to do some, and I was going to talk to you about about the other art fair, but I guess we're already talking about it. So no time like the present, right? What what are the pros and cons of doing that for artists? I know it's, you know, it's a little bit of a fee, the transportation of the work and all that, but do you find that people typically get a pretty good return on their investment? We do. I, I, I believe so. Uh, I would say 
what the last several fairs we've done, I, I want to say we, in almost all of the fairs we did this year, they were at close, if not over 90% sell-through rate for oh, artists. Wow. 90% or more of our artists sold. Oh, great. Um, and in some cases, uh, there are a few artists that almost sold out, which is insane. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, it, it's amazing, especially after the the lockdown, right? Things reopening. People just want to be back out. They want to see and meet. They want to be at the event, right? They want to be there. Definitely. Um, and there's nothing like connecting with an artist and getting that context and the story that is missed when you're trying to buy art, you know, elsewhere in other forums. Um, but meeting the artist directly, there's nothing like it. And the artists on the other side feel the same excitement and rush and, and joy in connecting with with their collectors. So yeah, I completely agree. I'm always talking about that on the podcast that it's important to have some sort of rapport with your collectors and they really like to get, you know, peek behind the curtain, see what your life is like, see your, your personality, how you work. So that's very important. Um, you are an artist first, correct? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I was surprised. I, 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 I think I'd seen your work on statue before and I really like it. Uh, it's, would you consider it Surrealism, pop surrealism. Uh, pop surrealism is is a term I've used before. It's yeah. hard to figure out the right label, right? As as an artist, to yeah, brand yourself in a certain way. But but yeah, I've, I've had that. That's probably the closest term. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, the, your first image that you have, I really love. It's a city skyline with the where the wild things are characters oh, yeah. kind of popping up over uh, that connected with me because that was my favorite book as a child, and uh, it's just a great painting. So everybody check out Wayne, Wayne Chang's work. We, we are here, in case you're wondering, with Wayne Chang, general manager of Sachi Art. And um, I think we always kind of start with like an origin story. I do like a superhero origin story. <laughs> if, if you're down, you can start as early as you want, as young as you want, and take as long as you want. But just tell us kind of your upbringing and what got you involved in, in the art world. Wow. Um, so I'll go a little further back, especially if I'm going to talk about sort of my art background, because um, it does go far back. But uh, yeah, I won't get into too too many of the, the weeds here. But but yeah, I am so born and raised in New York, Lower East Side, East Village. So I was constantly surrounded by art. And, you know, growing up there in the 70s and 80s, uh, I was probably too young to really appreciate, you know, Keith Haring and Basquiat coming through. And right. And everything around me, but it was, but it was just in your face, like you couldn't escape it. I'm, I'm playing stickball in front of a giant Keith Haring, you know, crack his whack mural. Oh wow! Um, Austin Street, and there are photos of me and standing in front of it, and I can't, I, I didn't appreciate the time or understand the 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 magnitude of of what was just right there in front of me. But yeah, and since then, I've always had a really strong appreciation for art, um, whether it's street art or you know, everything from comic book illustrations to, you know, I studied a lot of the old masters too, uh, took a lot of art history, Renaissance painters and so forth. And so I really got into more the sort of realism approach and, and, and angle. And I just have a really strong appreciation for that, that kind of craftsmanship. And I, you know, it's, it's, it just felt comfortable to me, but I also wanted to take a lot of that technique and approach, but with a different, more modern subject matter. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to paint things that I didn't see painted by others. And it so for me, a lot of like things that bring me back to my childhood, which is why you see where the wild things are, 
you know, a lot of childhood characters uh, I grew up with dwarfing large city landscape, <laughs> uh, you know, the urban backdrop that I grew up in. And, you know, it's these are visions and images I had as a child. And um, and so, yeah, that sort of explains a, a little bit of of the subject matter that that I focus on. And so, yeah, I've been cool? drawing yeah, most of my life, mostly self-taught. And since then, um, also, I should say, professionally, I've done, you know, I've worked in digital uh, media for a while, and I've worked in various startups on the tech mm -hmm. side of things, worked in product management, and I worked in other uh, different tech startups. Um, Sachi Art, the opportunity to head the product management team uh, opened up, and I, I, I was really excited because I actually thought Sachi Art was part of the Sachi Art Gallery in, in London, um, so right? Based in LA. Yeah. And when it came up, I was like, oh my God, this is the best of both worlds. It is the dream role. I love art. I love product. And so it was a match made in heaven for me. That's so, amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. A couple of things. Well, I have to ask, sure. was art one of those things where you went into the product development side of things a little bit because you were not thinking you could make money as an artist? That's a really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> because you are at Satchi now, which you're helping a lot of artists make a living. Uh, yeah, it, it was a drive. Like I always did art on the side. I never pursued it professionally. Um, I just continued to doing it as, as really a hobby and I couldn't let it go. It's just, it would eat at me if I couldn't do something creative. Yeah. And so, but I, but, but I, yeah, you could argue, you know, part of that was with, you know, the seed planted in my head about art, you know, trying to survive and yeah. survive for yourself. Thanks, mom and dad. Um, <laughs> they were supportive of it. You know, don't get me wrong. They, they loved that I was creative, but, you know, they would throw in the occasional like, well, hope you, uh, you know, <laughs> can feed yeah. yourself. So, yeah. That um, sounds familiar to me and to probably every artist listening. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and I moved into digital also because I actually was in UI, UX design, um, a lot of front-end um, user experience design uh, work, which isn't compl a complete departure. It's adjacent to art. But I also was really interested in how people interact with digital interfaces and, and how they respond to things. And so you could you can argue, you know, that that creative aspect of it, you know, never left me, even if it is a different industry, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, and no more exciting time now than the whole explosion of NFTs, which we're going to get into a little bit later. I know you're uh, very <laughs> involved in that. Uh, well, I have to ask. I'm I'm intrigued by the board behind you. I'm seeing some scribblings. Uh, is this anything that's relevant to what we're talking about, or this is just kind of doing notes on a board for yourself? It's notes on a board. Um, okay. Yeah, we actually had a good strategy session and, and thinking around um, where the current market is mm -hmm. with regards to uh, fine art NFTs, and so we're we're thinking of you know where the the challenges are at the moment, the points of friction. Uh, areas of opportunity where we think we can, you know, support artists and buyers. Um, yes. So yeah, that, that, that is relevant to, okay. uh, to some of the topics. <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe sometime we'll give a little sneak peek at this board, give, it, yeah. give people a sneak peek <laughs> behind the curtain. Um, well, we'll get into NFTs in a little bit, but I did want to ask you just give us a little bit of a peek behind the curtain of being the GM at Sachi Art. What is, what does that entail? What does a day in the life of Wayne look like? 
Wow. It's very busy. It is <laughs> a lot to juggle. Um, you know, I, on the one hand, um, I am constantly looking at the business and, you know, of course, how it's performing and, and in managing the health of that, but it's easy to get caught up in, in these sort of abstract numbers. But when I step back, I'm always amazed and warmed by the stories and testimonials. I'm, I'm constantly uh, looking at uh, feedback from our buyers, from our artists about, you know, the works that they're creating and the success that they're getting through the platform. You know, when I hear about someone who's able to provide for his family through a lot of the sales that he was able to get through the platform, I think yeah. that that never gets old. It really doesn't, you know, because a lot of artists are being able to find collectors that they wouldn't have found otherwise. And so I feel like what we do, um, it's hard to, to not, you know, I, I it's easy to, to, to get caught up in the numbers. And I, I try not to, cause I, I think the mission that we, that we have, it's, it's, it's always just, it's just a great feeling that, that I know that we're doing something good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I completely agree. And this is unlike any other time period we've ever had where artists can actually, it's not just the gatekeepers letting a few people in, but you're getting quite a few people that actually can make a living. I'm one of those people who was able to finally quit my day job. And I've been doing art full-time for seven years now. And Sachi is one of the platforms that I sell really well on. And I, I love it and I'm, I'm grateful for it. And I know a lot of other artists are. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the platform. It is, I believe it's the largest online art marketplace. Am I correct in that? Uh, correct. Yes. Largest, yeah, original art marketplace. Uh, as far as like, was it 100K artists? Uh, over 100,000 artists, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That must be difficult because obviously that's great to be inclusive and let a lot of artists in, but it must create a lot of problems as far as visibility <laughs> and getting people, you know, so, getting them to sell regularly. I know I hit my stride sometimes. And yeah. I'll have a couple sales and then it'll fall off. And I've had years where I've been very consistent. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about some of the pros and cons of being kind of an all-inclusive uh, art marketplace? Sure. Um, first off, thank you for supporting uh, the platform. And oh, I, yeah. your story is, yeah, a great example of, um, you know, artists that, that started through us and then got really, you know, uh, great success out of it and were able to elevate from that. So we're excited to, that you're still you're still on the platform. Oh uh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, I'm, a, I'm a lifer, Wayne. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah. The to, your, to answer your question regarding the volume and the size, yeah, it becomes it, it does create challenges in terms of getting discovered, in terms of curation. Yeah. So, and that's something we have been addressing um, over time, and we're able to find some solutions or so there's, it's kind of a two pronged approach the way we think about it um, because there's so much that's coming in. It's a, there's a tech problem and a human problem, um, a human solution, sorry, and a tech solution where mm -hmm. there are ways for us to surface certain works through our search algorithm and so forth. And, and that's all fine and good. But when you create these rules, sometimes it, it may have unintended, you know, consequences where you, you know, maybe this artist starts to get some traction. So great, let's bubble him or her up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we read and I indicate, you know, we try to identify certain signals in the algorithm and that's all fine and good. That might help at a certain scale, uh, but 
we think that art is still very emotional. It's very visceral and it still requires like a human curator to go through and really identify good quality art, up and coming artists and an algorithm and AI is not going to tell you the context and the story and the background about this artist that makes this art really interesting, right? It can identify visual things in the code and the data, but, but there's still that intangible piece to it that, that really helps, you know, complete that story about the artist. And that, I think that richness, which is also what we try to leverage in the other art firm, why you meet these artists and you get that little bit of the amazing story behind it. That's why we still need the human curators to help find those artworks. Um, That bridge between, you know, what buyers want and what they tell you they want and what they actually purchase and what they really want, it's, there's still a little bit of a gap. And the, as much as, as many filters and tools that we throw for buyers to find those works, at the end of the day, sometimes, you know, a human, um, human intervention, having a, an art advisor, which we offer, that really helps. And so that two-pronged approach has, has helped us to a degree. But I'll say it's something we're constantly looking at and looking to fix. It is, um, it's a great problem to have. And I think, you know, it's, it's something we are solving. So that's cool. Yeah. I think it's got to be difficult too, because every collector is different. It's not a one size fits all approach. And every artist is different too. You know, I'm sure out of those 100,000 artists that are on or 100,000 plus artists that are on Sachi, I don't know what the percentage of those that are really active are. So if you're, let's just say as an artist, you're on Sachi and you're throwing a piece up once a year, you're obviously not going to get the same visibility as an artist who's being more consistent, correct? Uh, Correct. If you are more active and you engage with your followers um, and you upload, there's there are things in place that we built into the, into the system that bring people back. So if you have followers and favoriters, you know, they'll, they'll, you, you re-engage them by staying active. Um, right. So yeah, there are things in place that, that support that. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, just for the artists that are listening and you know, there are some other people listening too, but what are some of like the best practices that an artist can adopt on the platform to be successful? Can you just give us something just for somebody who's just starting out, really doesn't have any way, you know, understanding of how to navigate Sachi. Do you have anything that you could offer? Yeah, there are a few options uh, they can explore. So whenever, you know, I try to do this myself, although I'm guilty of not doing it enough, when you, the more context you can provide around the artwork, um, keywords, meta, you know, the, the, the description, the blurb, that often helps the additional images um, and providing that, that also uh, adds a lot more texture to the works. And I believe we consider that that factor as well. And I think, yeah, the, the more you're able to, to provide, you know, context and data around the works, um, you know, thinking more beyond just saying, you know, oil painting, right. Um, you know, things that, that other words that might convey certain emotions, things like that. We do, we do consider that as well into the algorithm. So um, things like that would, would help you definitely get more visibility. And then also to your point that you asked about, which is, you know, being more active. What I also tend to do is um, if I have 10 new works, you know, I'm sitting on, they're not in the system. um, I generally don't upload all 10 at once. You can, 
Right. Um, what I do is actually space them out maybe one a day. And what that does is for all my followers, it'll actually notify them and bring them back over a longer period um, yes. versus one big swoop where, you know, you might lose a few people. They just don't happen to be checking things at that moment. So, so I think all those things help. And another thing I would say is if you do get some interest um, from a buyer, I know some people tend to take the works offline and, um, and they might sell it, you know, they, they might find the artist through Saatchi and then they go, oh, there's that, you know, I, I found him on, on uh, through Google and on Instagram. So I'm going to DM him you know, and, and do the sale. Right. Um, you know, it's fine and good. You know, we're in support of artists and sales. At the end of the day, though, uh, not only is it not insured, but I would say the sale, if, you, if it happens offline and you come back and you market sold, we don't weigh that in the same way as if it were sold through the site, through Saatchi platform. Um, right. You read that signal differently. So if it is a quote unquote true sale that happens on, on the platform, um, that sends a very strong signal. Okay, this, there, there's something happening here. Uh, let's give this artist a, a little more exposure and, and attention and, and see where we can go with that. So. Yeah, those are great tips. And you can't really verify either if an artist sold a piece offline. I mean, they could have just right. taken it down or said, oh, it's sold, yeah. you know, to try yep. to spark something. Anybody <laughs> could just do that and then put it, yeah. put it back online for sale. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a classic thing in, in our affairs. Like, when you put that red dot there, it might drum up some interest. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but also, great point about staggering them. I'm always telling people that as well, because not only are you getting that consistency of people being able to come back, oh, oh he's got another piece up. Oh, and then two days later, he's got another piece up, or he or she, or they. But also, if you hit them with 10 pieces at once, you can get lost. Your pieces can get lost. How do you, how does a collector? you know, go through all that work and decide, okay, this is one, they might just be like, well, screw it. I'm going to go on to the next, the next artist. So giving them a little bit piecemeal, I think is very effective. So that's great. Those are great tips. Yeah. It it increases the chances that someone will, will notice you. Um, Yeah. And also, by the way, our curators will notice you as well. We moderate and look and curate all uploads that come through. And it's a lot. It's that's amazing. A few thousand a day. We are a little backlogged and uh, we're, we're working through it, but, but just know that all, pretty much all works will go through some pair of human eyes and they will get processed into the system. So uh, especially, you know, so there's always, you know, the, I don't want to promise anything, but there's always a chance that our curator will, will notice someone, oh, this style is very unique. Mm-hmm. And when we engage with clients, with collectors, that's always uh, something that they'll consider. And they have this um, like very uncanny ability to compartmentalize or remember all of these artists. And, uh, oh, someone wanted black and white photography of this size, this price range. Yep, I got that guy. <laughs> like, find it and recall that. So, um, so yeah. But, but yeah, so doing it over, yeah, over a period also, you know, it gets on their radar a bit more as well. Right. That's also very reassuring as an artist to know that a human being is looking at your work. And I I did like my favorite art marketplaces episode a long time ago. And Sachi was obviously on there. And I did say something about that. I was like, they claim that a a curator looks at every single piece that comes up. And I, I said, I'm not, I can't verify if that's true, but now we've heard it directly from the horse's mouth. So that's great. I, I appreciate that. Well, why don't we talk about NFTs? 
Sure. Is that something that's going on right now? I know that, um, well, there's a lot to talk about, but I know that you were a big part of the other avatars that that drop. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I know Monty Preston also curated that great last name, by the way. Um, (laughs) um, Did you want to tell us a little bit about what that was? Yeah, it is. Uh, Yes. So it was an NFT drop we did um, earlier in Q1. It was uh, over 2,500 avatars. It was a PFP collection, but with a uh, an original art spin, which is more of what we do, right? We don't we don't necessarily specialize in, in generative art. We can, but at the time, um, you know, we wanted to give a lot of our artists the opportunity in their style and their medium to be able to participate. And so the challenge was with all the artists we have, they work in painting and sculpting medium. So how do we bring them into the fold? And we did basically 25, over 2,500 one-of-one original avatars, huge undertaking, wow. um, all originals, not generative, human-made and handcrafted. And they were all, we used basically Vincent Van Gogh um, as the template. So you, were, you took one of his famous portraits and you interpret it in your style, your way. And we, those are the parameters we gave our artists. And we gave them some traits uh, to work with, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a, you know a cigar pipe or a hat, 3D glasses, beard. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> go crazy, run with yeah. it, and we t- and then let's see what you guys come up with. And what the results were amazing. So we did the drop, and um, we built the community um, around it on Discord, and we drummed up a lot of interest, and we. Trump up interest with, with our community of our traditional art collectors, mm-hmm. moving them into NFTs as well. And yeah, and it, the the public sale actually sold out, yeah, in under 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Um, so it was hugely successful. And it was a blind reveal too. So no one knew what they were getting. We teased out a few just to, you know, uh, uh, pique some interest. And after that, once we opened it up and re- revealed everything, everyone, you know, minds were blown. And it was amazing to see all the the works after three months of curating and helping our artists get set up and um, helping them create these works and even helping them set up their wallets. Like 90% or more of our artists never did anything in blockchain or NFTs. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of education. And it's a learning the- curve. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was that, that, that was the drop basically. And it was a, it was a great drop. It was a success. It's a really cool concept. And I, I love the Vincent Van Gogh angle. Do you think Van Gogh would uh, approve? I know you have no way of, of knowing that 100%. But <laughs> no, it's, um, I would like to think so. I, I, we chose Van Gogh because we thought he was emblematic of uh, you know, what we're going through with the art space and NFTs and, right. and the degen culture and, and you know, a lot of the same sort of eye rolling he got and, and doubt, and he was ahead of his time, super talented. And I, th- I think we're seeing a lot of that, 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 you know, creatorship happening within the NFT space. Um, yeah. And there's still a lot of cynicism, you know, and skepticism about it. And so that there's a lot of parallels, which made a lot of sense for us to, to go with Van Gogh. Yeah. And also it was royalty free. That helps. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was definitely a pioneer. I think if Van Gogh had the opportunity, 
I would like to think that he would have jumped on this too. Uh, That's awesome. Well, so you're saying that each individual NFT originally was handcrafted and then it was basically, I guess, digitized or whatever. Did you sell all of the originals as well? Good question. So we also have physical twins and anyone who also you know, did a physical medium and a painting or so forth, uh, that was also sold on the platform. Um, nice. so that, was, that was really interesting. We did have digital artists and they, I think they, a lot of them did print reproductions too, mm-hmm. um, sold through the platform, but, but yeah, we had physical twins for sale. Nice. That's yeah. a really cool concept too. So how does your average Sachi artist, because I know this was pretty heavily curated. Are you, do you have plans down the road to transition to like everybody being able to sell an NFT or right now, are you just doing it collection-based? We both, um, we are at the moment, we don't have uh, an open platform for all artists to, to join, but we are giving it very serious consideration. One of the things, well, I'll say this, to step back, in terms of collection and the drop-based uh, approach, that is something we are working on. We're already thinking about the next several drops mm-hmm. um, later this year. In terms of a more permanent platform for artists to any artist to mint and transact NFTs, it's something we're looking at. We are giving it, we're trying to be very thoughtful about it because as I'm sure you know, there's just you know a ton of NFT marketplaces coming out of the woodwork. And it's oh, like, yeah so much noise out there and i don't want to do anything unless it's truly innovative thoughtful and and unique mm-hmm. um and so that's why we're we're trying to be very very thoughtful about that i think the power of going through an established marketplace like sachi art is you know huge for artists because i know a lot of artists who have i have a friend named paul Rustan who is a world famous body painter and a photography. He basically quit doing all that. And now he's doing NFTs full-time and he's killing it. He's killing it, but not everybody's killing it. But he also talked about, we had like a little masterclass on here with him. And he talked about how it was just a full-time job. Like he was up on Twitter promoting on his groups all the time. And I think for me, part of my hesitation to get into the NFT marketplace, and now I am, I'm dipping my toes in, but part of my hesitation was that I don't have the time to yeah. run the podcast, do my art practice, do my online stuff, promoting all that, and then have a second life where I can go do that. <laughs> so I think the power of, of having like something like Sachi, where they are curating your work and yeah. putting it out there and promoting the work uh, is, is huge. Do you, yeah. do you agree with that? I do. I think a lot of the same challenges that artists have in the physical art world also trans, translate here, transfer here as well in that you still have to hustle and get out there and then throw on top of that, the hurdles and learning the technology and understanding how to you know, get started. Um, that friction is very real. I think over time, there are services and different frameworks that will address some of those points of friction. Mm-hmm. But I agree, like the, the heavy lifting required to still get exposure and you know, have people find you and, uh, and discover your work, that's still a challenge. And that's yeah. where... I think what we do with physical art, we could do the same with digital, which is supporting our artists and getting them uh, and elevating them and, and helping them get discovered, curating their works. Because I think curation is still a, you know, it's it's the same with physical art. I think it's, it's there's still a very uh, real need in digital art. Yeah. No, it's good. What should I invest in? Like, what should I buy? Right. Uh, 
No, it's is still, it going still. to be viable in right. five, 10 years? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, I think it will be, but a lot of people are asking that, that question. I did catch a tiny bit of your interview on a podcast and you guys were talking about the democratization of art. And I think the, the podcast host was asking you like, well, do you think it's still, is it going to be competition for you? Like having all these artists being able to throw their work out there, but that's exactly what it seems like to me is it's just going to be a sea of individuals throwing their work out there. And how do you as a collector swim through that sea and find the people find the artists? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, I think in theory, um, decentralization provides so many things to the artist, to the creator, yeah, cutting out the middleman, you know, yeah. quote unquote. But I still believe you need some structure, some guidance, some curation. Otherwise, it's just chaos. Like it's hard yeah. to know, you know, what, what am I buying in here? And then also you throw in fraud and, and a ton, you know, tons of other uh, those issues. It's, it's, am I, is this an ape of mine? Is this the real thing? Like, so it's just, yeah, there's, it, it, there's a real need for that. Still, there's still some gatekeeping needed. You know? Yes. And going through something, somebody like an, an entity like Sachi legitimizes your purchase a little bit too, yeah. I would assume. Yes. Um, so I have to ask a couple, not, they're not hard questions, but current questions. So the recent, whatever crash, I'm doing air quotes here, the crypto crash, how do you think that is going to affect the uh, NFT market, if at all? I think it's, I'm not surprised by it because we were in a bubble. Yes. Um, things were very inflated. I don't think that that was sustainable. It was a nice, fun ride. Um, <laughs> yeah. Especially if a, you were on the ride from the beginning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, I don't think... The market's not going away. The technology's not going away. I still think there's this great value and utility that the NFT provides, the mechanics of it. And I, I think that it will potentially pivot into something else. But I, I believe that there's still demand for it. It's We're in this cooling period, um, but it's not going away. So I'm, I'm not uh, too panicked by it. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I assumed, but it's, it's nice to hear you say that. What about... There's a lot of pushback on NFT marketplaces that are out there right now not being very carbon friendly and uh, leaving a very big carbon footprint. What do you? What is Sachi doing, for example, or plan to do to offset that? Yeah, we actually looked at different options for carbon offsetting with the drop we did, mm-hmm. um, and we're still exploring options actually. So we want to be careful that, and I'm using uh, maybe using the wrong term. Uh, where there is this concept, like a lot of carbon offset providers will, will talk about how, you know, they're planting a tree or they're donating to such and such, you know, reforestation. Uh, yeah. But I think when we, we did a lot of research to make sure that that was the case. And, and I think we're, we're still going through that and doing our research because we actually want to make sure that, that we partner with a company that is truly additive, that is truly helping clean things. And so we're thoughtful about that. We took the approach of minting that drop on Ethereum for various reasons, but the future drops we're looking at, we actually are considering, um, seriously considering Polygon and and other much more carbon-friendly options. Mm -hmm. So it's a big uh, consideration for us. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Well, that's good to hear. 
it seems like a lot of these companies should be should be involved in in that process, you know, like using alternative power sources and things like yeah. that. Is that what's going on with this with these other companies? Um, I can't say. Uh, hard to say. I, I don't know. But you know, looking at how OpenSea and, and other uh, marketplaces are supporting other blockchains that are you know that are a little more eco friendly and um, you know lower gas. And I think with hopefully with ETH two, some of that will help you know relieve some of the pressure. Yeah, uh, I, you know that's my hope. I, but I think we're trending in the right direction. But I, I can't speak to you know some of the decisions they they've made in the past. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you think that um, Sachi is going to get involved with the metaverse as far as buying real estate in the metaverse, or will you be continuing to just use platforms like OpenSea, things like that? Um, we, yeah, if we do offer like a, a, a more uh, permanent offering. It's going to be in-house. It's going to be custom. It's going oh, to be cool. our marketplace. We're going to eventually, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking into that. So, okay. TBD. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sounds good. We'll do a round two sometime when it's, when that's dropped. Yes. Are you doing your art? Are you planning on transitioning into your art to NFTs? Have you already done that? Because um, anything can really be an NFT now, obviously. Yes. So I, I, yeah, it's funny. I did start and I did create some NFTs. I minted my own. Um, I got in foundation early and, and, uh, but you know, like you said, the challenge of getting discovered and, and finding some, that early success, that was, yeah, that was a challenge. Um, yeah. and it is a full-time thing to really push yourself out there. And I just, I just didn't have the time yeah. to, to it. So I had to like, I was like, I'm going to come back to this at some point. The one thing I would keep in mind, and this is something we do when we talk with our artists and, and try to provide some guidance is, I don't want to say all art will translate as well or as effectively in NFTs. Um, right. You know, if you take a painting that is beautiful, it's a painting, it's got all kinds of qualities to it and textures that, that may not translate, but then you scan it as a 2D image and then that's your NFT. A lot of artists do that and nothing wrong with it, but I would... You know, there are elements I try to incorporate that because it's a different medium, it is digital. Like, are there things I could do to sort of give it a slightly different perspective, whether it's animated, provides some dimension. And so that's something we do talk with our artists. Like, is there something else that you could do that that might help this make, you know, be more effective or just looking at it differently, but staying true and authentic, right, to the, the style and the subject matter and the nature of your work. Um, right. but, but have it maybe live a little differently and, and execute a little differently in, in digital art form. So yeah, it, it's, it's a process to go through. And I know that when I transfer everything to sort of a two dimensional static form, yeah, it didn't, it didn't land. Um, mm-hmm. so I started to play and experiment with, with, with different things. And I actually am looking at doing, um, from, uh, doing it natively from pure digital art. So yeah. I'm, with with that option as well. So not digitally enhancing some art that you already have created, but actually starting from scratch. Correct. Yeah. Now, are there some programs out there that artists are using to enhance their work? Because I know I've seen other artists who've done like a painting, and then they'll kind of animate the background, or they're you know they'll 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 make it a little bit unique to the to the digital market. Are there certain apps and things like that that are available for artists to do that, or do they have to learn a program? Uh, they're very easy apps that you can use. And I, I've done that as well myself. I don't remember the names off the top of my head, but if you just mm-hmm. search, there, there's, there's, there are a dime a dozen. Um, yeah. They're out there and they're relatively cheap or even free if you want to 
you know, if you're okay with the watermark, but, uh, <laughs> but, but the one thing I would say is other artists are thinking the same thing and trying the same thing and going yes. to the same and using the same filters. And so, you know, the, the uniqueness is if you can't customize in some way to tailor to your vision and your story, then, then that that's, there's a risk there in, in, in doing that, that it may dilute the, the value of that, that animation. So you may not want to just, it's, it's quick and easy and convenient, but if you're trying to do art, you know, and provide some unique perspective to it, then you may want to consider something more tailored instead of out of the box, you know, yes. uh, movement and, and effects. So, but yeah, um, I played with that uh, as far as taking yeah, digital art and uh, sorry, uh, taking a, a pre-made image out of painting and then applying effects to it. But starting from scratch, going all digital. Yeah. The one thing, the one that everyone uses procreate, I've started to dabble with that and, and it's a great program. It makes it really easy to look very, artistic <laughs> oh that's cool yeah that's that's not part of the adobe suite is it no no oh, it's, no. it's separate from that okay oh, no. yeah 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 i do uh i do obviously photoshop and i had all those other programs with that a long time ago back back in the days when they had um what was the 2d animation app that they had flash I learned all of that back in the day and then it was just completely obsolete <laughs> yeah back animation yep yep <laughs> but but it's fun it's a good tool to have yeah, I think there's going to be probably a bigger desire for artists to, as people have become more aware of what an NFT is, the general populace, and you start bringing in more collectors, I think the demand for more personalized NFTs are going to come out, right? Because I see, I'm sure anybody who's on Instagram sees the ads that goes, make your first NFT in five seconds, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> that's just not going to cut it pretty soon, right? Right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Well, we're going to go into some rapid fire after this, but I always ask, like, what are you excited about with, with you? I get asked two questions. What are you excited about with your own art? And what are you excited about with Sachi moving forward? Wow. Um, with my own art, I, it's funny. I, I'm the way I'm thinking about it because I'm, I wish I had more time to do more, more of my own art. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, I'm exploring, yeah, again, the, the, in the digital realm, I am pushing pretty hard on that. And mm -hmm. I have some, some pretty exciting concepts I want to play with. And it's just a very, it is a slightly different approach. It's, you know, when you're doing an oil painting, as I'm sure you know, you make a mistake. It's like, oh, I can't undo that. And yeah. there's some conveniences, not to, you know, uh, say that I, you know, this is what I'm most excited about this minor feature, but it, it is a different, like, I don't feel, you know, it's not as big a risk in, in doing some of this. However, there are so much great art out there um, being created, uh, digital art, and they're really getting their, their due right now. Thanks to, you know, the, the NFT boom yeah, um, so many of these great graphic artists are are finding like like really getting the, the exposure they they deserve, and so I'm coming into that a little late, and yeah. but I think you know I am excited about some of the things that that I might be able to do in that in that realm. So yeah, so that's that's one one territory I'm really excited about in terms of Sachi art. 
I am really excited about the the ideas that we have coming out, hopefully later this year, with regards to and if some NFT drops, but also, should I say, a, a, an off, a more permanent offering um, mm-hmm. and strategy around NFTs. I think it's still an amazing opportunity and a new market for artists, especially those who might be daunted by the you know high hurdle and uh, the learning curve. Definitely. Uh, I, I'm excited about bringing a lot of those artists who are super talented and, you know, it's just getting them over the hump and bringing them into the fold and, and helping them understand this whole new world of collectors that, you know, may not know anything about them. And it could also bring them into, you know, get some interest into their physical art. Definitely. Traditional yep. medium. And so that um, has happened already. Yes, we've yeah. seen. Yeah, we saw with our drop some of our. Uh, we we actually sold quite a bit of physical uh, paintings from from the actual avatars that we sold. That's awesome. So yeah, it was really cool to see that crossover happen. And so there's just this untapped wealth of talent that we want to help our artists get to uh, really get that exposure and 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 leverage that and uh, and push them out there because I think with the art market that's out there, the talent, the artist community, I think there's still a lot we have yet to, to see. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot that hasn't been done. It's only a small percentage, a fraction of, of the creators that, that are on the, on, on the blockchain right now. So Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's really exciting. I know a lot of people are, a lot of like conventional artists, old school artists are freaked out about it. Like, you know, painting's going away. I always use my... My parents as a <laughs> as a model here because they were in the theater business and it was like every time oh TV came out that's the end of the movie business oh VHS come out they're into the movie business you know DVDs nothing ever killed the movie business although COVID tried its best um, right right but it's the same thing I think with with fine art right I think it's always going to be around it's just going to be some sort of a an amalgamation or something that's side by side you've got this and you've got this yeah. and I like that some collectors are being added now to the fine art market who would have never even been exposed to it because they got the exposure through NFTs. And now they're like, you know what? Now I kind of like the idea of collecting an actual painting for the first time. So that's cool. Right. right. Yeah. It's funny. I, I like to use the, the, the print is dead analogy when you know, oh, yeah. Yeah, dating myself there, but, <laughs> um, and it, it didn't like, you know, people still want uh, reputable, you know, big brand publishers, they still, there's a trust, right. That that's there. And in the same way, while, you know, there is democracy, democratization of art, people still want some guidance and know what, what's, what should I look for? What should I, you know, what is, what is good art? And, um, and so I think there's, there's still a real, uh, a real need there. Yeah, I completely you know? agree. Yeah. Well, that's really exciting. And we're just gonna do a couple of rapid fire. If you have, do you have like 10 more minutes, 15 more minutes? Uh, yeah, I have 10 minutes. Uh, okay, yeah, right. sure. Okay, perfect. And before we move on to this, where can people see your art? Oh, it's... If you, uh, if you want to share. Yeah, of course. Satchiart.com slash Wainster. Wainster, awesome. Yeah, I checked it out. It's really good. I think everybody will really like it. So check out that. Obviously, Satchi, I'll link to Satchi as well in the show notes. But we're going to move on to some rapid fire. Do you have any like biggest failures? I, I, a lot of people push back on failures, but is there something that you tried to do you didn't succeed at and you learned something from it. Does anything jump to your mind? Wow. I don't know if this answer will be very rapid fire. Um, (laughs) That's fine. Take as much time. The the question is rapid fire. The answer isn't. 
right. <laughs> yeah, so I could approach it from, I guess, an artist's perspective. I, I wish that I do have, I, it's hard to say regrets because that means, you know, I'm not happy with the way things turned out. You are where you're supposed to be, I, I believe. Yes. Right? The universe gives you uh, the, the signals. But for me, there is this part of me that wonders if I had pursued art 100% full time. And even if I did pursue like a day job and career, a different kind of career, right? As I did, there are moments where I'm like, should I make the leap to go full-time art? Right. right. And that leap, and I know there's so many artists out there who feel the same way. They have their job because they need to pay the bills, but they yeah. do art. And, and some artists I know have been successful making that leap, but we did a survey um, with our, a lot of our artists and I, I wouldn't say 70, maybe 80% of our artists probably more, I, I think, um, with a much higher number. Yes. Yeah, still hold on to their day job. So yeah. for me, I, there's a little bit of like, what if I had taken that leap, would it have gone in a different way Would my style, my work, my body of work, how that would play out. And I, I often think about that quite a bit, not a regret because I I'm happy where I am, but I think I, I often wonder. Yeah. Well, the thing that's exciting about that is you still are creating art and your art is very good. Thank so you. anytime you want to make that leap, you can. I'm not trying to urge you to <laughs> leave Sachi because we love you where you are, but but if you ever want to, that's readily available to you. Um, so that's great. Yeah, and 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 that's one of the scariest things ever to leave your day job. I I've talked about this so many times. People are probably tired of hearing it, but I had you know the restaurant job after college, and I was like, I'm going to keep doing this because I hate it. I'm going to keep doing it, and I did it for 16 years because I'm stubborn. And I finally got to a place where I just had enough. And I was like, oh, I have to learn some of these other skills. You know, I have to learn how to like run my own business and like, you know, market my work and do all these things, not just wait for somebody to come in. But once I learned those, I mean, I'm thankful for it. And just like you said, I can regret, you know, waiting tables for 16 years, but it led me to where I am right now. Yeah. It, yeah, it's true. Um, you know, for me, uh, you touched on one more thing and I wouldn't call it a mistake that I learned from, but the one thing I underestimated was the you know, the thing that we always talk about, the, the business side of art, um, mm -hmm. the hustle, getting out there, learning how to do social media and marketing. And these tools that we have today, we didn't, you know, we didn't years ago. And so yeah. I, I like with artists, there was definitely gatekeeping where you had to go to these brick and mortar galleries. You had to get published by these guys to get noticed. Whereas now you have all these outlets. And yes. for me, the one thing I underestimated was how much of the non-art stuff I had to do. Um, yeah, to, exactly. To really push that and recognizing that at Saatchi Art, it's like, okay, let's like let's try to fix this for artists so that they could just crank on paintings. They could just create. Yeah. They don't have to worry about getting out there or getting on a catalog. Like, let's try to do that for them. And so recognizing that that challenge that artists have, you know, we get it. And so we try to incorporate that into our strategy and, and product thinking. But it's one thing for me, I, I know that, I wish I did more of, I wish I, I really pushed that a little harder. But yeah. I, I could do it. I could do marketing PR for a company. It's all fine and good for myself, my own art. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> I know it's hard. It's yeah. really hard. Well, it's funny because like a lot of these artists talk about 
you know, oh, I just want to, I did that for years. I was just like, man, if I could just be making a living for my art, I, I would love that. But I really wasn't willing at the time to do what yeah. was necessary. And I think a lot of artists, if they were pressed, would probably say the same thing. It's a skill that you have to develop. And I think you and I are probably, based on what you're saying, around the same age. So we we came into the art world when there were still heavy gatekeepers and yeah. social media was not there. And you were right. still sending slides into galleries and stuff like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's like a blessing and a curse. We have so many opportunities available, available to us now as artists, but it does take that effort. You have to have that fire lit under your ass to, to, right. to, to really do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's move on to the next one. Superpower. Is there a... I just mean like when you're not feeling it, if you're not feeling like this could be with work, this could be with creating a piece. If you're not feeling it one day, do you have like a go-to, this could be a daily routine. It could be something that you do like meditation. What gets you going? What's, what gets you in that mindset? Wow. What gets me up? Um, yeah. Let me give that some thought. I do meditate every morning, but it, it yeah, I, I meditate. I try to meditate every morning. It, it really clears my head and, and, helps me be just make better decisions and and thinking about things but let me yeah that's a good one mm. it could be as simple as even like music or or I, a strong I, cup of coffee <laughs> i i mean honestly when i paint when i get it when i get into my studio good music is definitely one thing um i try yeah. to do it's funny it almost is uh too influential on me where i where uh, if the music starts to get weird and mm-hmm. <laughs> it actually uh, <laughs> actually shows through uh, in the my painting work. gets weird. Uh, yeah. I'm like, this is not where I was, I was hoping it would go. And, and I'm like, what is that playing there? In the background? <laughs> um, but it's funny. Yeah. I listen to all kinds of podcasts too. Um, I listen to the moth and, and, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of good storytelling to kind of get me going. Yeah. I find inspiration in, in a lot of good stories, just, you know, human connection and different stories. That's a good answer. I think a lot of artists, sometimes they feel like they have to just be inspired by, like if you're a painter, you have to just be inspired by looking at other paintings. But I also yeah. get my my inspiration from books and music and film and everything. I think I think we should all be trying to find any source of inspiration we can. Yeah. So I'm probably going to ask you one more, and that is advice to young Wayne. This could be at any age. Um, with all your wisdom now, Wayne, what would you impart on yourself at any age? Something you've learned? I would say enjoy, enjoy your time and you fucking can and don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> um, yeah, and don't stress, everything will be fine. Yes. Um, you know, I think, I think looking back, I felt like the decisions I had to make were going to be so impactful. And, you know, some of them are, but yeah. But I feel like, I would say, you know, related to that, yeah, don't take myself, don't take it too, don't take things too seriously and try to enjoy mm-hmm. um, the experiences that and moments. But, but I would say related to that, be okay taking some risks, be okay not being okay. Um, yes. And I, I feel like there were, you know, whether it's art, you know, the decisions I made around that, again, not taking the leap, like going headfirst into uh, uh, an art career. You know, I think about that and, um, you know, I, it's, I wish I took more risks. Mm. Uh, I would tell young Wayne that. Yes, yes. that's great. All, all those really resonate with me, but yeah, it's, it's weird. It's kind of like something you have to train to, to be comfortable or get comfortable being a little bit uncomfortable. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. That's tough. But also the whole, the first thing you said, uh, I, I heard a Mary Oliver poem the other day. I can't remember the whole thing, but it was basically at the end, she was saying that she worried her whole life and, and what she realized at the, in her old age was basically that all of her worries, none of them came to pass. So yeah, she, stayed, yeah. she just stopped worrying and she ended up going out and singing or whatever. It started out with her not singing and then she decided to sing, but I think that's really beautiful too. Well, is there anything you want to talk about before we close up? Is there anything you want to like plug or anything people you want people to check out with Sachi or with your art? Otherwise we can uh, wrap this up. Yeah. Um, we have some uh, great NFT drops coming up. Um, be on the lookout for it. Uh, follow us on Sachi on, uh, on Instagram and Twitter. You know, we'll be posting updates coming hopefully in the next few weeks to months. Yeah. But we have some exciting projects. So be on the lookout for that. Definitely. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for everything you do at Sachi. Everybody check out Wayne's work as well. I really, I was really impressed with the quality of your work. It's nice to know we've got an artist at the helm. So that's good. (laughs) And and thank you for your support. And we love your work. And uh, so do the collectors. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're going to keep doing it. Stick around for a minute. I got a couple of things to ask you, but thank you so much, Wayne, for coming on. Thank you so much, Preston. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You bet. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here, and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful, so thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time.